I want you to do me a favor. Yeah, sure. I want you to hit me as hard as you can. What? Let it out. I want you to hit me. Trust me. Come on. Come on. Stop trying to hit me and hit me. Hit me, baby, one more time. And now, our feature presentation. My name is David Luzader, and I'm lost in a vortex of podcasting. Will I ever get out? Will I ever share my insane ramblings with my friends? Or will I protect you all from the deep, dark thoughts of nostalgia on Hit Me One More Time? Trapped with me on this ship is Nick Shermooksness. Ah. Uh, you, what does an alien sound like? I, oh god, I did. let's look. Let's start over. I'm did, I'm a warrior a monk thing, and 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 there's a, a pre. Okay, all right, okay, we're good. We're good. Let's let's, let's remake Farscape with Coneheads in there. <laughs> <laughs> Just one of them also pretending they're human the entire time. Okay, no, this is a great idea. I'm gonna stop talking about it. Nobody, <laughs> nobody steal this. Oh. Listeners, it's been a week for you, but uh, Nick and I are doing back-to-back episodes right now, so the energy is going to get weird. And subjected to that, who I know can can keep up because he's a great guy, great podcaster, he's TV's Travis, a.k.a. Travis Crawford of Wait, You Haven't Seen? Travis, welcome to the show. What the freling has mana have I gotten myself into with this? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you you were the one who asked me to be here, all right? That's true. No, I thank you for having me. I, I, oh, I'm kind of excited to talk about this one. Oh, uh, I, this is I, a show that I watched a lot when it was on the air. I'm excited to to have you on and to talk about it too. Before we get to any of the Farscape nonsense, though, whoops! Spoiler alert for people who don't read the mm. show name. Uh, who are you, Travis, and what do you do? <laughs> so uh, I, I host a show called Wait You Haven't Seen, and I just I love to talk about movies. So I started the show as a way to just basically have an excuse to talk about movies once a week with friends of mine. Um, but the, the hook is that at least one person every week is watching the movie for the first time. And that's another thing that I really like to do is, is – either be exposed to something I haven't seen before or show somebody some of my favorite movies. So for me, that's kind of a really fun thing to do. Cool. Yeah. Cause it, I love, I, lo- I love getting the perspective. Sometimes something that I've loved for 20 something years. And then I show it to somebody for the first time. They're like, eh, and other times, you know, I blow them away with something that they just, they never heard of. So it's a lot of fun. It's, it's a really cool show. I was on there cause I had never seen saving private Ryan and it's, funny there's so many movies in my film uh history like so many gaps that i use going on movie podcasts to talk about because i think that's really the only way i'm going to make time for these movies in my (laughs) real life let's be honest that's fair yeah uh that is actually one thing i've noticed since i started this show is a lot less time to just watch movies for fun because i'm too busy planning and watching something ahead of time or I do another show um, talking about Highlander, the series. And so I'm watching episodes of that constantly. But, you know, I just I I love entertainment and I like just about everything. I'm really easy to please. So, you know, (laughs) yeah, I I just have to say uh, to start with the weirdness. uh, When I was reading the show notes, I thought that you were doing two separate shows which was one called Travis of Weight, which I did not understand what that meant, uh, and a show called You Haven't Seen. Um, so we're off. I'm just saying we're off to a good start. Uh, yeah, I, I decided to name my primary show with punctuation and make it you know impossible to ever search for. So <laughs> what's your show? Just bury it. What's your show? Travis Weight. Wait yeah, for Travis, Travis of Weight. Travis of Weight. It's, you know, it's like a like a LARPing show. He's from like the town of weight and uh, there you oh go. God, I don't know anything about LARPing. <laughs> Good. That works. I'll do that. Good Lord. Uh, <laughs> we're talking about Farscape. I'm barreling forward on this. Farscape, this late 90s, early 2000s sci-fi show tells the story of a group of renegades as they travel across the far reaches of the universe. After accidentally traveling through a wormhole, astronaut John Crichton joins a group of prison escapees on Moya, a living ship, and helps them evade the villainous peacekeepers. Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, yeah. dun. 
<laughs> yeah. Travis. So had, had either of you watched this show prior to this? All right, I guess Travis is just hosting the show now. So that's <laughs> float off my... Uh, so I, the answer is no. The answer is no. Uh, but <laughs> Travis, why don't you tell us? This is the part of the show where we talk about our personal histories. So why don't you tell us about your history before Nick and I just say no again? <laughs> so I caught this show. Uh, I don't think I caught the premiere when it aired originally, but I watched from early on in the first season all the way through to the Peacekeeper Wars when it was showing on Sci Fi Channel. Uh, it was part of the Friday Night lineup. It came out. 99 so i was i was 18 when it uh debuted and this was one of the shows that uh i would go to a friend of mine's house almost every weekend and we would just kind of hole up on a friday uh, i'd take my computer over there and we would play games and just hang out for the entire weekend and this was one of the shows we would watch and then it was like uh, i think cartoon network was doing toonami at the time so we'd flip over and watch anime after that but i just, I just have to ask you said you bring your computer over to your friend's place, but 1999 was a very different time for computers. <laughs> so are we talking like a big old hunky monitor? Oh, yeah. Oh, no. I'd, I'd put everything in the car and strap it down and drive over there. That's why I'd be there from Friday night to like Sunday morning. Yeah. Why, why so bring like, it back to so my computer? Too. Right. If I'm bringing my computer, I'm staying for a while. Yeah, uh, but he also had better internet than me. So <laughs> yeah, land parties um, were, but, were a weekend long event for a reason. Yes, exactly. Cause you were too tired to carry everything back the next morning. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, I just, I loved the show. I watched, I, you know, I was, I was ready for new episodes all the time. And this was, you know, obviously 99, 2000 pre like almost not pre internet, but, but pre anything streaming. So we, mm -hmm. I had to wait weeks. There would be, you know, I'd have to wait the gaps where there would be mid season and they wouldn't show a new episode for a month. Oh, and and all of that but i just i hung on this show so much because it wasn't like anything i'd seen at that point mm. it wasn't like any sci-fi that was on tv because really the main sci-fi that was on tv at the time that this came out was star trek voyager which is great but it's very different it's nowhere near the same type of show in, in like tone or energy at all mm -hmm. so i just ate this up very cool nick you already said no <laughs> what more is there to say <laughs> No, I, 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 I definitely knew Farscape existed. I, I doubt I knew it existed at that point in time when it was airing. Um, but I mean, like I worked in a video store for several years. And so I, I feel like it was something that's definitely has crossed my peripherals, but otherwise never thought to check it out. So I did find something else to say. <laughs> yeah, I don't got much more to add to mine. I remember seeing pictures of farscape maybe probably even seeing a commercial or two on the sci-fi channel but never really watching it and i the only thing i remember clearly about farscape at any point was possibly a reddit post talking about the um the, like the controls and the building of pilot uh, mm -hmm. And that has always fascinated me, but it was not until uh, within the last few days that I had actually seen Pilot in action or any of Farscape, as it were. That... Look, I was a big enough fan of this show. I named my first car Moya. Okay. <laughs> so was that should tell you a lot. Did it have a baby? Uh, <laughs> did your car have a baby? It, it wasn't alive, although there were times where it acted like it. And no, but I was going to name the car I replaced it with Talon. Um, nice. and it just didn't work out. Aww. It didn't fit. But yeah, I know <laughs> I named my first car Moya. That's how yeah, pretty much. Very cool. So yeah. Nick, what's the world's history with Farscape? The world's history. Uh, the idea for Farscape was conceived in the early 90s by Rockney S. O'Bannon. That's a name. And Brian Henson, <laughs> less of that's a name, under the name Star Chase. It was produced for Nine Network in Australia and Sci-Fi in the U.S. The Jim Henson Company uh, was responsible for the makeup and puppets. The show was planned for five seasons but was canceled abruptly after season four due in part to the erratic airing schedule on Sci-Fi. Brian Henson secured the rights and made three-part miniseries, Farscape, The Peacekeeper's War, to wrap up the series. Since then, some comics have been published and various other projects have been attempted to continue Farscape. A movie was reported to be in production in 2014, and Brian Henson reconfirmed interest in it in 2018. 
Ben Browder and Claudia Black, who played John Crichton and Aaron Sun, respectively, joined Stargate SG-1 after Farscape's cancellation and were part of several references to Farscape itself. I threw in that last bit there because SG-1 was one of our early episodes. So yeah, and the, the Farscape reference in SG-1 is brilliant. Too. I, I read a little bit a about it. They put a lot of work into it. Yeah. If you ever watch it, it's only like a minute long. But they put so much work into all the costumes and the makeup for that one minute joke. Uh, and it's just brilliant. Cool. This uh, this discussion of the show, I think we really could just call uh, Travis explaining Farscape to Nick and David. Uh, so th- we'll put the episodes up that, that we watched. Uh, but uh, the ones that you picked, Travis, were good. They were all kind of cohesive. They told kind of parts of a cohesive story. But we jumped from season one to season three, and there is some stuff that just gets casually mentioned or happens that I'm like, hold on, wait a minute. Like, at some, yeah, it, and, and it's it, fine. It's totally fine. It was just like kind of funny because Nick and I both would at the same time be like, wait a minute, did they just say other John? Uh, yeah. Is the ship having a baby? Are they suddenly just like hanging out uh, with uh with with what's his name caius now <laughs> like yeah christ christ it, yeah oh, it's right. it, it's tough it was really tough to pick episodes for the show for you guys to watch because and kind because of, i kind of had an idea that you hadn't seen it and it, it's tough because there's four seasons but so much happens they 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 grow so much uh throughout and it it does a really good job of being sort of like a um a monster of the week or story of the week mm-hmm. type thing while weaving a story through it as well and having kind of a serialized nature. But I, I, the stuff that I chose was uh, sort of hitting like major plot points because that first, the premiere, you, I, you always got to, if you're going to watch a show, you should watch the first episode. I right. agree. But I, after that, you know, I kind of jumped to the end of the season because there was a huge plot point there with the whole wormhole technology and introducing who becomes sort of the primary antagonist, the Scorpius character. Mm-hmm. Um and then it was like, oh, man, where can we go from here? So that's why then and, and they also Farscape did a really good job of having these two and three part arcs that they would play. Uh, there was another one called uh, Liars, Guns and Money, which was a three part episode um, that I almost chose. But I was like, well, I've already got five episodes here. That's that's enough to try and watch. Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot in there. <laughs> oh, there there really is. And, you know, even with like the the stuff that we missed it was more just like interesting like i definitely followed what was going on uh most of the time except who what other john what does that mean also <laughs> okay, let's, can we just, can you just tell who, what other john did he get replaced what, what's going on there no, so there was a there was a period three. of time so there's a couple of the those things that happened so scorpius at one point implants a neural chip in john to try and um extract the wormhole information from him sure and from that, there's an echo of Scorpius that's inside John's brain. Oh, that's that, was, what that was that was the character. In any of those World War II kind of flashback things that you saw in that one episode? Yeah, that, that was, was the character. John calls him Harvey, okay. and so it's not Scorpius; sure. it's a clone of Scorpius that lives in John's brain, essentially. Um, yeah, sure, the, okay. Because <laughs> you know it happens that way. Um, the other one was the other John. There was an episode where he got cloned. And basically something, you know, sciencey, sci-fi happened. And suddenly there were two John Crichtons for whatever reason. Because the show did a lot of that kind of hand wavy, like weird stuff happens because we're in another galaxy. And, you know, a show like this can kind of get away with that. I mean, you saw right in the premiere where nobody's speaking the same language, but they all are injected with these translator microbes so they can all understand each other. Mm -hmm. But if you really think about it, if you were standing outside of everything, all you'd be hearing is a bunch of random languages being yelled at each other, which I think is kind of fun to think about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the other John was a literal, like complete clone doppelganger of him that had basically his own personality. And there were episodes, there was an arc where the two of them were separated and there was kind of like two mini crews on, on the two different ships and all of that. It, it it gets really interesting, honestly. If you can, if you watch through, and I, it, the show is one of those where I feel like you either love it or you just can't get behind it. Like it's mm. it's too out there and too weird. You know what I mean? I mm. yes, because it is it is definitely 
weird, uh, for better or for worse. And we'll talk about some of those weird moments. I swear we're not going to do this to you all night, but I just I have one more question. No, ask all you want. <laughs> is pilot part of the ship? N- yes and no. Cool. So <laughs> the way that it works out in the series, pilots race are servants. And when Leviathans are born, uh, one of his race is kind of tied to uh, a Leviathan as a, as a means to help the Leviathan kind of live and communicate with its crew. So he's, he's part of the ship in that he's kind of, they're installed almost. Um, (laughs) but he, he is a separate entity. And in fact, there's an arc where you find out that pilot in the show is not the original pilot of Moya. (gasps) That's, Mm -hmm. that's a betrayal. So he's kind of like the DLC, uh, you know, <laughs> but like necessary for it to be complete, but you have to pay extra. <laughs> kind I, of. Yeah. Like Leviathans can survive on their own, but they're usually captured by peacekeepers and, and forced into servitude. And in order for that to work right, they have pilots. So is that what kind of happens with Christ in the, 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 the later episodes we watched where he like had a special connection with, uh, Tyrion, Talon, I think it was Talon. 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 Yeah, kind of. So, so Talon is a weird, um, an accidental birth and hybrid of a Leviathan and a Peacekeeper warship, essentially. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's why Talon has uh, Talon actually has weaponry. Yes, they mentioned but that. Yeah, what what they did with that was um, Talon doesn't need a pilot in the same way. Uh, that Moya does. Mm. However, there is still a neural link. There's some sort of a consciousness connection that Crace uh, undergoes. And I can't remember. It's something like at the base of his neck, essentially. Um, but that ties him to Talon. And so that's how they have their connection. So it's it's similar to how the pilot works, but not identical because Crace can leave and, and wander around. Gotcha. I love puppets that is a fact that i have made very clear on this show i've talked about it a lot and so there was parts of this show that just delighted me i love the Mm. little guy that's flying around and he's real sassy i mean you can tell these are these are jim henson puppets from the go they just have the whole jim henson feel to them uh and even from the one i when i learned back in the day about pilot and the fact that pilot takes like six people to operate Mm-hmm. I, I, I love it's so great. I love that that was made for the show. And of course, uh, was always probably in one never moving stage that they would just film coverage of when they had the chance. Like there was only one shot in all the stuff that we saw where pilot was actually like in the same room as John. Cause I imagine like they're probably shooting elsewhere and they just got like a room where pilot lives, but everything yeah, pretty much. Everything about Pilot, I'm just like, yay, more of that, please. Well, and and there's just something about Henson Company puppets, right? They're yeah. Like those Muppets that they do, whether it's Rigel and him being a little like two and a half foot tall guy that they, they put in a floaty chair so they can just have him propped up on a stick and he yep. can be the same height as everybody else. Or it's Pilot, who is huge. Massive. I mean, that puppet is massive. There's just something about those those puppets and the the puppeteers mm-hmm. that they feel real, and you you see a lot of them throughout the show. You, there was a few different ones in the, I think the premiere episode and and whatnot. You see more and more of them. Mm-hmm. The 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 costuming and creature effects on this show are just unreal. Yeah the the makeup sure. the makeup is really good, kind of in general. Um, and there was something too about pilot because uh, again it's it's this henson thing it's the henson thing of the their expression because mm-hmm. it was in the last episode we watched and i don't know her name because she was only in the last two episodes we watched uh but didn't what didn't get much to do it was the the girl mm. with the hair that changes color apparently uh oh yeah yep and and she is like walking out of pilot's chamber and she's like oh, i i I don't think there's going to be many people on Moya soon. And it just cuts back to Pilot's face. And I'm like, no, this is the mm-hmm. saddest thing that's happened. Sad yeah, it, it's amazing how much emotion those puppets can give. I mean, 
it's really uh, a testament to not only their design, but the puppeteers again, like I said, just the skill they have to, because they do, there's, there's entire episodes that focus around, you know, Rigel or pilot and they have to, they have to carry the emotional weight of the episode and they do. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, very well done. Yeah. And, and even like the little side characters, there's an episode I, I gave you a sixth episode. I don't know if you guys watched it or not. It was kind of a bonus one I just because it was one that showed the off the wall craziness of uh, of the show. the The plot, the basic plot of the episode was um, using the sci fi trope of body switching. Oh. Something happens, and so you've got uh, a situation where Crichton's consciousness is inside of Rigel, and Rigel's inside of Aaron, and Aaron's inside of Crichton type of thing, but with everybody. And they did that with pilot too. So you have different interpretations of like pilot, but it's, it's Dargo inside of pilot. So it's a very angry version of pilot who just can't, you know, gets super frustrated really quickly. And then you've got Chiana's inside of pilot. And so like it, it, it was a ton of fun like that, but they also had um, these aliens that looked like the Skeksis from, uh, from dark crystal it reminded me a lot of that. These big like bird creatures. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking, man, shooting with that had to have been crazy because these things were six, seven feet tall with big, like bony wings. And, you know, it was probably another thing where it's like six or seven people per right. per puppet having to work on those. Yeah. So, yeah, they did that quite a bit. That stuff's pretty rad. Nick, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, was Scorpius your favorite Power Rangers villain? <laughs> <laughs> he was kind of a Power Rangers villain, wasn't he? A little bit. Um he he was definitely a character that once he came on screen he commanded presence uh i will admit having you know not watching the show when we got to the because we we basically what we watched was like i I think it was scorpius's introduction Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. then uh, possibly his exit from the show i I guess they don't they don't actually show it uh so maybe he comes back but we got we basically see the beginning and potentially the end of him and, and he go it seemingly goes through a, a, a lot of characterization um or in that 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 the, the no space that we didn't see um but he the, the actor did a phenomenal job sort of making you pay attention to him. yeah 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 scorpius is a fun character because there's a lot to him and if you watch the series you'll you learn a lot about him as a character because he's like this this super driven um and very patient villain but then you find out why he's trying to find this information and you almost start to feel bad for him and then he'll you know of course he'll go and do something terrible and make hit him again um and then wayne pegram who played him got to also play harvey which is like a a really silly version of that same character because Harvey is inside of John's brain trying to find the wormhole technology while, while simultaneously making sure John doesn't get killed. Right. Right. And not allowing John to kill Scorpius. So (laughs) there's all sorts of like plot threads and things tugging at each other all the time. I was very interested in Scorpius as a character. And I will say there's one thing in the last episode that we saw him in that actually made me very interested in him and, and actually like him as a villain quite a bit because he threatens Crichton with the Earth, right? He's like, mm-hmm. do what I want or I'm going to go after the Earth. Uh, but he also is like, I want to be super clear about this. I don't care about Earth at all. Right. Uh, and then at the end when, you know, they take the the bracelets off and uh, kind of have their last moment together and he's like, are you going to go after Earth for vengeance on me? He's like, why would I do that? Like, that's so much yep. work. You're still going after Earth? To what purpose? Vengeance against you. And I <laughs> I just love that there's like a villain who finally is like, like there's all these other planets, there's all this other stuff to do in the galaxy. Like there's more than just Earth, man. I don't care that much about it. Yeah, he's he's a pragmatic villain and you got to love that. Because the show starts out with Crace as the kind of the main villain for most of the first season. Mm-hmm. And he his whole motivation is that John accidentally killed his brother. So he's just got this blood feud with John now. And it's fine. It works. Right. You know, but Crace gets to grow as a character, too. When you when you bring in somebody worse than him, that actually has like a good villain motivation. 
Um, mm-hmm. And that was that was a big reason why I wanted you guys to see that that episode is introduced the real bad guy for the series. Yeah, so. yeah. Not that Crace was was bad. It was just everything we kind of saw by him in the last couple episodes. They hinted at more, but what we saw from him kind of in the beginning was a little bit that one note of like, mm-hmm. uh, "You killed my brother." Yeah. Right. Ah. Yeah. By the way, um, if you didn't know this, Crace, the actor Lanny Tupu, is also the voice of Pilot. So yes, he got to I, he got I to do dual duty. That, that was cool. Yeah, I, um, I noticed that. That's pretty neat. And and one of the other things that I really liked in the show was was how the characterizations were consistent, but they could grow. So like Dargo is very much the Farscape version of a Klingon. Yes, he's very angry all the time and. But you get to learn about him later on, and he and John form a really good bond that uh, that helps the show along quite a bit. And then you get little things like Zan. You find out that her race is plant based, and I just watched because uh, I'm I'm watching the series all the way through, and I just watched an episode where she was pretty much useless the whole time because they were at a planet that was the the local star was having solar flares. Oh. And because she's plant-based, she was having what she called photogasms. And so she was useless. She, At one point, she's even like down on the planet trying to go find John and Aaron. And a solar flare hits. And there she's just laying in the sand like, this is not a good time for this. Wow. Wait, which one was that? Was that the red-haired lady? No, that, no, was, that uh, was the blue one, Zan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, to be honest, when <laughs> I think I texted David this, when when I finished the, the the last two episodes, I was like, "Wait, where was the blue lady?" Like, I had <laughs> it didn't even occur to me that she had left. Which I actually liked her character, but mm-hmm. it just there was so much going on in those episodes that I was like, "Like, okay, here's a new person." Like in my mind, she was just there somewhere. Because in, in those episodes, those the the uh, other cast members didn't really have a lot to do. They kind of kept getting herded back and yeah. forth yeah it was it was kind of weird that so, it was like we're all right we're on this ship we're going back to our own ship all right now we're getting dragged yeah. back to this ship yeah pretty much so sadly virginia virginia hay who played zan they had to write her out of the show because that blue makeup that she wore she so she shaved her head for the series oh wow and mm-hmm. would constantly keep her head shaved but also the blue makeup that she wore and she had to wear it over like her entire upper torso mm-hmm. was yeah. causing her kidneys to bleed oh and so that coupled with like the long work they basically she had to write they had to write her out of the show oh, which was geez. a bummer because she was a, a favored character like everybody loved that character when the show was on my friend who i watched it with that was his favorite character by far but yeah unfortunate that that they had to go that way kidney problems aside they couldn't choose a different form of a different paint not in i not in like 2000 yeah, I don't think they had many options at the time. Plus, uh, the other thing I heard was that the the shooting schedule was pretty brutal. And I so. believe it. Yeah, with makeup, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, we need this to look good, and we need to be able to put it on as fast as possible. And which is so funny because a lot of the time it'll you'll hear of like, you know, they get there at four in the morning or in the makeup chair until nine, and then go film yeah. all day. Uh, th- there was a couple things with with Dargo that I noticed, uh, like his his nose, because he's got like kind of that flap nose, but it sort of like connects to the upper part of his beard. I was like, that's pretty clever. That means mm-hmm. that so much of that is just a headpiece they just have to put on there and just kind of secure to his face. Yeah, yeah, and I think that they also this was, I want to say pretty early on, probably in a lot of airbrushed makeup, like really going hardcore with it. Yeah. So that I'm sure that helped a lot, too, because you have a lot of characters that have I mean, you got Zan, who's blue, you got Kiana or Chiana, who's gray, kind of this gray blue all over. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And and I just the makeup, that was one of the things that I loved about the show was, again, it didn't look like anything else because there was all these just wild characters. You know, Star Trek, I love it, but a lot of their alien races were just humans with some forehead ridges yeah, or well, weird ears or something. <laughs> And I get it. You know, you got to make it easy to do and you got short shooting schedules. Somehow they managed to to have all sorts of crazy uh, in this show. That's respect. So, so I, I have to ask, I, got, we got, I had to find a time to ask this. Is it true that everyone wants to have sex with John? 
<laughs> kind of, yeah. Because it really <laughs> felt like I, like I even felt like I wanted to have sex with John while I was watching the yeah. show. Because there's the whole there's the whole thing with like him and Aaron is sort of the big overarching love plot. But then there's mm-hmm. uh, the the woman that we see briefly uh, who who dies in one of the episodes we see, and she's like, "I love you, John. Could you have loved me on my deathbed? Tell me that at least." And uh, yeah. then he has like a moment with Chiana where it's like, oh, oh are they gonna? Uh? But I kind of took that a little bit as her character just being, you know, sexy she's, she's, everywhere. She's, she's the flirty type. Yeah. Um, that's that's definitely Chiana. Her character is like that. She's also supposed to be like 18 or 19 or something. She's very young. Ooh. And, Ooh. and it was, but, but. It had to do. That was her character, the the blonde peacekeeper that you saw. That was the the culmination of a thread that they had started earlier in the season, where they met her, mm-hmm. and this was when like, him and Aaron were kind of standoffish early on. Mm-hmm. Met this girl, they found her somewhere, and and there so there was a little plot that started with that, and then they separated. So when they came back together, you know, here she is pining for him. But no, it, it's kind of true. I mean, everybody wants a piece of Crichton. And, <laughs> That was just how the show was. That was another thing that the show did that I kind of liked was it, it, it didn't shy away from characters having relationships or, or sexuality without it going like too far. I mean, it was cable TV, so they could get away with more maybe than the network could at the time. But they had, um, at one point, Dargo and Chiana have a relationship. And it's basically the two of them are just, you know, pretty much like horny college students getting on all the time. So... You know, the, the show did that a lot. One of the episodes I just recently saw had a, a funny little subplot where this pirate is trying to convince Dargo to stay on the ship with him. And then you find out that he is the female of his species. Oh. And and Dargo, you know, Dargo doesn't like this character to start. Uh-huh. But then at the end of it, the, guy, the, the pirate is like, but I love you and I want you to stay with me and, and travel around, you know, looting ships. And Dargo is just like, uh, let me get back to you on that. And just <laughs> Don't I'll call you. Okay, bye. Dargo has a, a, a different in okay. Confirm this for me. Dargo is the one that impregnates the ship. Right? Yes, but it was an accident. Um <laughs> accident <laughs> happened. Babies the condom broke. Take responsibility for him. But yes, it's it's because of Dargo that Moya's pregnancy kind of happens. Sure, so sure, can sure. you explain that a little bit? Cool, cool, like what, yeah. like what, yep. what happened? Like were candles lit? Like what was the moment? I mean... Well, you know, Dargo in his in his wonderful deep voice really sweet talks Moya, um, and uh, hey, a and ship like that you got to unhooks the uh, the peacekeeper control collar that was stopping the pregnancy, and you know, when when a when a Luxon and a Leviathan really love each other. Good lord, <laughs> Ch- uh, children, yeah. turn off this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I by the way the the guy that plays Dargo um he he doesn't get to be funny a lot in the show like intentionally it's a lot of you know the accidental humor but Anthony Simcoe that the actor is hilarious and if you can ever get onto YouTube and find some of like the the blooper reels he just that dude was having fun all the time mm. that's cool it's so it's it's so cool like they they must have been having a blast making that show based on the blooper reels I mean, yeah, he's also he, very tall. He's very tall. I think, yeah, I think yeah, it's like six foot five or six foot six. Oh, geez. Yeah, I think you have to have some fun if you have like that level of, uh, you know, it's it's long hours and not a lot of time and not a lot of money to go around. So you gotta enjoy it in the way that you can. I want to kind of talk a bit more about the aliens because this is one of those shows where it starts off where I'm like, oh. Boring humans and uh, a bunch of really interesting other people. Like, Pretty much, yeah. John is fine. What I appreciate about John off the bat is that he is not the meathead. He is not... Because so many other of these sci-fi shows... You know, we watched Stargate, and Stargate... Um, I can't remember uh, the character's name now, but like the main character of Stargate is... You know, he is just smart enough to outsmart the villain like he's street smart but he needs the the book smart people to really get him get him there uh yeah where in this john Crichton sure is gonna do the crazy dumb heroics but also 
he knows how to make wormholes. Like he's he's a smart guy. <laughs> he, the the conversation he has with his father at the beginning of the first episode is kind of ham fisted. Oh, definitely. Of like, uh, you're going up there to do your experiments now, son. I'm so proud of you. I can never be the hero you were, dad. And then uh, when he's in the space shuttle, he's wearing like a, it was basically a, the helmet from Star Wars that they wear mm-hmm. in the, the X-Wing fighters, which I'm like, this is still 1999. You would be in a full suit. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, that's actually one of the things I love about uh, Crichton as a character is he kind of, he wants to be the the hero like he he i think Crichton sees himself as that sometimes mm-hmm. but then he'll go to fight somebody and just just get it handed to him and the show was not afraid to do that which was great um because he is he's a smart guy he's yeah. a scientist one thing that nick pointed out to me and it seemed like they did better by her character in the actual show was uh the character of aaron in the first season's opening credits are all of them are her falling into John. They are all <laughs> like, oh, I, I tripped or oops, the ship rocked and you caught me in your arms. Like they really, if, if you're going based off purely those opening credits, she is purely there as his love interest. Obviously they do, they do more of that with her. But also in everything I watched, I thought Aaron was kind of one of the most boring ones. <sighs> so a little bit. I mean, the, the peacekeepers themselves are a weird... Um, yeah. kind of a weird subset anyway, because they're, they're sort of the empire, right. but kind of not good at it. Uh, I don't know, like had to have been hard to film all that because everybody's wearing leather. So Ooh, that yeah. was been a loud set. <laughs> uh, but no, I think Aaron overall, um, isn't the most intriguing character, but I don't think she's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. She's there to be not only a love interest for John, but she, they, they really tried to make her, especially early on, sort of the, the hardened warrior character, very much like Dargo. Um, but it, it got better as the series went on. Um, she had kind of more to do, but she's definitely not, I mean, she's not the most interesting character to, to me, the interesting characters were John Dargo and Zan for the most part. Um, and then, you know, a lot of the side characters can get, they could be too like Chiana could be too much, but they they're fairly judicious with using her. Um, the one character that you saw that had the flaming red hair, her name is Jewel. She wasn't on the show for very long, um, but was probably my least favorite. Oh. But then you have a, a ton of like really fun side characters that will show up for an episode or two. Uh, there's one, a mechanic named Furlough that just cracks me up all the time because uh, she she was this like short weird looking little mechanic that was constantly trying to get information out of Crichton or try to like swindle him out of stuff. And I, I just, I loved the character. Um, so, you know, and she pops up here and there throughout the series. Cool. Nick, uh, from the people that you saw who stood out to you the most. Visually Dargo. Uh, I liked a lot. Um, 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 Zan, Zan, um, you know, I'm Zan was just kind of blue, so she she didn't stand out, but I felt like she she carried a lot of personality. Uh, John was really kind of your typical square jawed, you know, astronaut boy. Um, I did like Aaron. Um, yeah, she was kind of the hardened warrior, um, but she was generally gen, gen, generally competent. Um, and I mean, we really didn't get to see that much of her character, but I think, you know, I, I, I like the narrative of like someone who has to like go against their beliefs or they find out that their beliefs are maybe not correct uh, and then kind of have to figure out their place in the world. I, I really appreciate that storyline. So I think I liked her in, in that respect. Um, I really liked uh, what's the floating old alien guy's name? Oh, Rigel. Rigel. Rigel, Rigel was awful. He was kind of the the team, I don't know, perv or whatever, but he also had a lot of like charisma in a way mm-hmm. um, that I, I did enjoy in some respects when he was on screen. Um, just, yeah, the puppet, it, it would be kind of talking before the puppets in general. It's, it's something where like, if this had been like early or, or, or yeah, early 2000s, like CGI, like 
I don't think the show would have necessarily held up as well as I, I actually feel like it did. Um, spoilers today, today. Uh, and just the, yes, like the mastery of the puppets, the details, and some like the fact that this show was able to like really wanted to utilize them and really make the world feel lived in. Uh, I think was probably the best part of the show. Yeah, uh, it just it, it can hold up because it felt real. It, you know, their puppets the same way you know CGI is CGI. Like no matter how realistic it looks, like you can feel something's off, but um it's still like they were imbued with so much charm that um it was a visual treat really yeah Mm -hmm. it definitely was and and i think if it was anybody aside from the henson company they would feel far more low rent or oh absolutely rigel would be a guy in in a he would be felt probably or a guy in a bad costume yeah and there's even that one moment in the i think it's in the premiere Maybe it was in a, in a couple of episodes later that they had a CGI um, Rigel for like one shot. Hmm. Uh, so I don't, it must not have been the premiere, but it, it definitely looks super dated and you can tell that it's CG and it just, thankfully they only did it the one time that I know of the rest of it's all puppets. As it should be. Everybody mm-hmm. puppet, John Crichton puppet. I think they did a full puppet episode. I don't remember though. Maybe that was Stargate that I'm thinking of. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to say. Yeah, would it really surprise anyone if it was Stargate? I'm going to say something talking about Stargate. And I, I, this is kind of, I guess, it's not necessarily my final thoughts, but it'll maybe kind of hint at it a little bit. Because it was hard for me not to think about Stargate while watching this. They were of very similar times. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have sort of some similar like DNA. You know, we didn't see much of the Monster of the Week stuff, kind of similar of when we saw Stargate. We ended up seeing episodes that had these very strong through lines, which I think is kind of nice too to get a sense for the show because you get like, what is the show all about? Every show, even shows that are strongly plot heavy are going to have bad episodes or weird episodes or whatever. It's nice to know what the show is really kind of about. I thought... You know, if I had to, to to kind of put some, like, weigh the two against one another, I think that uh, Stargate, maybe in just the terms of, like, the money behind it and some of the quality stuff, I think Stargate is a little bit better. But I think that Farscape, to me, was more interesting. I, I would agree with you on that because I think Farscape's more fun. I mean, mm-hmm. the show literally had its own... Uh, slang and swearing that they sure. worked in to to get around like sensors and be able to kind of make a <laughs> you mentioned kind of that lived in feel that was one of the things that's one of those layers of that that I think really works is John picks up on that fairly quickly into because they start that stuff right in the first episode and John starts to pick up on it and it's great mm-hmm. so it yeah it reminds me of um, another show that I, I love uh, also a sci-fi show that I would say is kind of in the vein of all this, but also predates all of it. Uh, Red Dwarf is yep. is a one of my favorite shows. And of course that has the word smeg. Like that was the word they used to get around a lot of the sensors and stuff. But also in that same way, gave it that feel of like, oh, this is, they're, they're speaking like us, they're talking like us, but it's removed just that little bit by having this other word. Like this show had a bunch of little words like, arns and cycles and uh and and microns and stuff like all this stuff where it's like you can kind of guess what that's supposed to be like i guess Mm -hmm. it wouldn't translate for john because there's probably not like a one-to-one translation um but there was also oh this is something i gotta bring up there was one uh nick i know you pointed out to me which was ident chip uh which they have to they have to use an ident chip to try to get into a a peacekeeper base at one point. And one thing that always gets me, this happens in other sci-fi like this is you'll have a spacefaring race, super technologically advanced, no cameras though. Nope. None whatsoever. What's your identity? Here's a card. Let me swipe it. Cool. You are who you say you are. Cause you have this thing. Like you're not going to put that in and a picture of the guy is going to come up. Come on. You have spaceships. Yeah, you would think. Um, and it, what's funny is that they even had, uh, there's an episode where they they land on a planet and there's like a beacon from the peacekeepers about, uh, you know, hey, help us find the escaped prisoners. 
and they don't even put pictures of the prisoners up. They just give their names. I'm like, really? You couldn't, couldn't like slap a picture of Zan up there and say, hey, look for this bald blue lady. No, just they're just going to give a name and like a race. So yeah. I thought that was that was kind of funny. Too. Hey, what's what's your name? It's uh, Michael King, not John Crichton. Cough, cough. Exactly. Yeah, wouldn't be hard to fool that. No, nope, not at all. But, you know, it's funny when we talk about like the the swearing or the the little, you know, arns and microts and, and all that. And it's the same thing that I felt with um, Firefly. Firefly had that same kind of lived in feel to the universe because they would have language that made it feel more natural when people would talk. Mm-hmm. And, and that was one of the things when I first watched Fire, uh, Firefly was after I had seen Farscape. So it gave me that same kind of feeling. And I was like, OK, all right, I can get into this. And that was, you know, it was things like that that made me enjoy this show so much is Mm -hmm. that it had that feel of like, this is a real side of the galaxy where this all this crazy stuff happens, even if they land on a planet where, you know, there's an episode where they they land and I almost put it in uh, for you guys to watch where they land on a planet that has not had contact with alien races before. So John and this is early in the series. So John is now on a planet as an alien. Ooh. And he's still coming to grips with being on a ship with a bunch of aliens that he's never seen before. So it's kind of a cool little little thing they had going on there. I like that, actually. Uh, yeah, pretty, pretty neat. Travis, have you, ever, have you ever read Copperhead? Have you ever heard of Copperhead? Copperhead. Good book. It, uh, I, feel, I feel like I've heard of it, but it's it, not ringing any bells. It's a, it's a comic. And the reason I bring it up is because uh, if you like sci-fi stories that have that real lived-in feel to them that's a book mm-hmm. that's got a really strong lived-in feel to it so i'm gonna have to check that one out then yeah jay jay farber jay faber and uh, was the writer and scott godaleski uh started the book though i believe he um uh, uh gets replaced by a different artist at some point but i, I can't quite remember yeah i don't remember Cop- either i know he does the the covers for a while still for sure okay. Very cool. I'll check that out. Is there anything as we're winding down here that anyone else wants to bring up? Anything that we haven't talked about? Anything that we've missed before we get to our final thoughts? Um, I don't know if either of you noticed, but Dargo has a sword gun. Yes. That is the coolest weapon. Yeah, it is the coolest weapon of anything ever. It's it's literally a broadsword that can turn into a rifle. I... I, I remember Zan points it out and is like, that's a weird weapon. I thought like, okay, it's just a sword. Then he starts shooting things out of it. I'm like, hold up. I didn't even pick up on that. That's a little. Yeah, it's it's called his Qualta blade. And I just thought that was, I remember the first time I saw it, I'm like, it's a sword and a gun. That is the greatest thing ever. I don't ever, like, I want one. So. Yeah, you'll shoot your eye It looks like it's made out of foam. Oh, it totally does. Yes, it 100% looked like it was made out of foam. Nick, is there anything that you want to mention or talk about? The, I'm trying to think. There, the, I'll admittedly like there was a bit of whiplash, like just being able to jump around. But at the same time, we we did a similar thing when we did Star Stargate SG One, and I mean, on one hand, I feel like I, I a part of me does want to go back and like kind of fill in the blanks, but I also felt like the characters were well enough realized that even though I was jumping into the basically the end of the show that I had a kind of a, I could appreciate inside a clear idea of their their progression um, mm-hmm. so I, I guess either on, on one hand maybe that makes them super cliche or on the other hand it, it just shows like the amount of care and personality that the actors and the scripting bring out mm-hmm. yeah there really is a labor of love feeling to this whole show you know something like this Especially if you if you look into the background of it, there's nothing like this was a manufactured thing created by committee to try to capture uh, the sci-fi audience. Cough, cough. Uh, Sharknado, cough, cough. Right. No, it's definitely uh, it, it's definitely a show that you know Henson and Rockney S. O'Bannon like just they wanted to make, and I, I love that. In fact, Brian Henson got the rights to be able to make that Farscape: The Peacekeeper Wars. Yeah. Um, he had to buy those rights back and after after the show got canceled because sci-fi determined that 
the show was too expensive to keep going and the ratings were going down. Well, some of that was they bounced it around yeah. a couple of days in yeah. that third or fourth season. They so. would they would have like large gaps in between episodes. And I I will say one thing. Brian Hinson, when I read this quote from him talking about it, he was like, oh, well, I just uh, finished filming this movie, which was the Happy Time Murders. He's like, now I got to go work on this project, which was the... Um, the Dark Crystal show, which uh, we know the fate of that currently. So I'm just saying, Brian Henson's schedule might be a little bit more open at the moment. We'll see. We'll see what happens. All right. <laughs> this is the part now. We pass final judgment. Is this a show that stays in the Hall of Memory? Is the cheesiness of it, the kind of goofy stuff, a little too much for people to watch? Or... Do the characters and the adventures still hold up today? Travis, you brought this to us. What are your thoughts? If, if for somebody, you know, think of it from, from, the, from the perspective of somebody who is returning to the show, but also maybe somebody who has never, ever seen the show. So the way I look at it is give the show two or three episodes. And if you just absolutely hate it if the cheese is too much for you if the visuals and the style that they tell it in is too much you can leave it in the halls of memory but honestly i think it's worth going through because again there there aren't a lot of shows that were like this it had uh, an energy about it it had a kind of a frenetic style a lot of camera movements and and kind of energetic storytelling that i think is worth it and you know like any sci-fi will do it can take on uh, subtext that you don't even notice when you're watching um, an episode is about, you know, something else completely. So I think it's worth rewatching. It's, it's four seasons. And then the, the movie at the end or the, I guess, miniseries, whatever it was, mm -hmm. but it, it's one of those that you're just don't, don't think too much about it. Just sit back and enjoy the, the goofiness that it has. I, I just, I think it's a ton of fun. You got a lot of colorful characters and a lot of crazy situations and, and, you know, the, the episodes that I had you guys watch were some of the more serious episodes out there. There's some crazy, like, just bonkers episodes that are so much fun. Interesting. Nick, those were the ravings of a man who has a deep love for the show, stretching way back. You had never even heard of it until last week. Did this, what we saw here, interest you? Do you think this is something that people should watch? Or were you kind of put off by what you saw? No, I, I wasn't, I definitely wasn't put off. Um, I, I feel like the show for me is, is up my alley. Uh, you know, in a lot of ways, like, like I, I never really watched it like the Stargate show when we kind of made some comparisons between those shows, like these early 2000s, you know, psych, procedural sci-fi shows. Uh, I didn't have to get into, but sort of watching it, I felt like I, there was a lot about it that was that I found really charming and enjoyable and the characters and so on and so forth. Uh, I do think that aesthetically, maybe it's um, like, you probably are going to be like, you're going to have to enjoy. I find like a very specific type of sci-fi to maybe get into it. But I think that there is a lot there worth exploring. And like, I, I think I said a little bit ago, you know, even though I kind of jumped between the beginning and the end, seeing you know like why is Christ you know why is he here like why is um scorpius acting so weird where what's other john like i did feel a compulsion to want to go back and, and see what was going on. so so the, the good outweighs whatever quote unquote might be bad uh, but i think it, it, it's enjoyable and i think people would still and i think the puppet the puppetry helps that like in a lot of ways like that when there was cgi in the show like it's 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 like it's obviously not that great of CGI, especially by today's comparison. But it wasn't offensive to look at. Uh, it's not like say the Last Starfighter. <laughs> Love that movie. Yeah. Love the movie. But let's let's be honest. Um, so it was serv It's it still serviced the the show and 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 the good stuff ultimately outweighed the the bad stuff. And yeah, check it out. I think there's something about the puppets too that allowed them to do some interesting alien races that were more than humans with different facial features or different colored skin also i meant to mention this earlier i didn't in the first episode where i hadn't quite figured out everybody's name uh there's a part where zan says oh christ because she's talking about like that crisis hunting them but i didn't know who that was so i was like is that like space jesus is that <laughs> is that her making a declaration about uh a, a, some deity 
But my thoughts on this show overall, I've talked a couple times in some of the shows we've watched here where I'm like, you know, I might be interested in watching this someday. I think that like now I'm going to watch Farscape, not like someday, like I'm going to watch Farscape. This was definitely up my alley. We did see some of the more serious stuff, but I thought that the way that the characters were done you know, Scorpius, as much fun as it is to kind of talk about him as a Power Rangers villain and his weird kind of BDSM style getup, there was a depth to him that really kind of drew me in. And same with any of the other characters that we encountered. It is a show that if you're not into, if you're not into sci-fi, it's not going to be for you. Like if you're not into aliens and space travel, if you think that Star Trek is too much, you're not going to like Farscape at all. You know, it doesn't have the same sort of level of social commentary. It's more adventure and excitement. And I'm totally into that. I think that's really cool. So for someone who had never seen it, never really had an interest in it, to see it now and to be like, oh, well, I really want to watch Farscape. Yeah, I'm in on it. I think uh, I think it's it seems pretty rad. And if I end up hating it, Travis, I'll come to your house and break your kneecaps. I don't know. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> no. I get I get told that two or three times a week. So well, you know, as you should. <laughs> I'm kidding, <laughs> Travis. You're you're a great guy, and audience, you're great as well. Thank you so much for listening. Please let us know what you think about Farscape. Do you have a deep love for it, or are you discovering it with us for the first time, or do you think it's absolute trash? Make sure to tell us about it. Hit me one more time. dot com. Got all the ways you can reach us. Let us know. Twitter. Facebook, email, we're open to what you have to say. Travis, thank you so much for being on the show. Hey, thank you for having me. This was a ton of fun, and I'm I'm glad I got to uh, expose the two of you to a new show. That sounds like uh, you'll check out, because you should. It's appreciated. Yeah. Uh, where can people find you, should you wish to be found? Uh, so pretty much anywhere, any social platform, I'm going to be TV's Travis, uh, TVS Travis, whether it's Discord, whether it's Twitter. Um, I'm pretty much mostly active on Twitter. Um, and then TVstravis.com is the place to find uh, weight you haven't seen. And we're, I think I just did my 84th episode. I'm in Ooh. the middle of my Halloween month of October. So that's fine. Uh, yeah, that's a that's the place to find that. We just uh, we just talked about. I got to expose somebody to Shaun of the Dead for the first time, and that was a, a hoot and a holler. Oh, that's cool. It really is. It's a it's a fun show. I think the concept is really fun. I had a lot of fun being on there. So, people uh, go on. You know, I think it's one of those ones too where it, it's you're gonna people are gonna have a really great discussion coming to these because a lot of them too are like cultural touchstones for someone else so if you need a place to dig in uh, listeners going over there find one where it's like one of your favorite movies that you can't believe someone hasn't seen that and hear what someone's first time is like with it yeah and you'll be surprised some of the movies i found people hadn't seen before um just as an example die hard and the princess bride i found somebody two different people who had never seen either of those movies and i, I still can't believe that one when uh, we were doing a, I, I was doing a podcast kind of similar um, a, a ways back when, before Movie Go Around, it was called Geek Cinema Society. We, it was really hard to find someone who had not seen Star Wars. That was a tough one to try. That to would be out. a tough one, yeah. Yeah, I can see that being a, a bit tougher, but it, it, it's a ton of fun. I just like exposing people to stuff, and it, you're right. That is a good way to get into it. Find the movie that you just can't believe somebody hasn't seen, and listen to the discussion. You'll be surprised what uh, some people's takes are on stuff. I was just talking about Shaun of the Dead this past week, I was quite surprised with my uh, my guest, Scotty Moe's uh, take on Shaun of the Dead. So Don't tell us more. Good. People have to go listen to find out. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> Nick, thank you for TV, being here. TVstravis.com. Oh, yes, TVstravis.com. Nick, thank you. Uh, thank you. Where can thank people you. find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Nick Shermuksnis, S-E-R-M-U-K-S-N-I-S. And uh, yeah, if you want to have a conversation, hit me up there and uh, be happy to talk. Did you have that heavy sigh thinking about how disappointed Phil Root is in you? The, um, 
We we got through one episode tonight where he <laughs> actually we would did not, not mention Phil. He forced my hands. <laughs> I had to bring him up. It, it's like, good. It's a contractual thing. <laughs> if people want to find me, Davlus, that's D A V L U Z, Instagram, Twitter, all that, you'll see what I am up to. Check it out. Thank you so much, audience, for listening. We do this show for you. We do this show because of you. Remember, you can't move forward if you're always looking back. We'll see you next time. Hey!